0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout,
3: and he blasts one way back. Go for Cody
1: Bellinger. It's one out. on. He so he's your home run derby champion.
2: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Welcome back to A's Cast Live. It has been a while, and I can tell you, we have missed you. We've been jonesing to get back on the air. Why? Well, because this is a great time for A's baseball. The A's are in first place, the A's are cruising, the A's are now going to be in Houston, Texas. And the sprint to the finish line. Folks, it is on. (laughs) It is on like Donkey Kong, as they like to say back in the day. There's 28 games left. That's it. This is going to be game 33, and we are going to play this game. I'm not sure if we're going to get it in tomorrow. Um, You know, we're not going to ignore it. There are a lot of things going on in our country right now, from a pandemic Social injustice. We had a hurricane going through the country. There's a lot of stuff going on. And we understand here at A's Cast and A's Cast Live that our job has been and will continue to be that of a distraction for you baseball fans and you A's fans. And I say baseball fans because we're a baseball show. Yeah, we're A's cast live, but we cover Major League Baseball as good or better than anybody in the business. There there wasn't a whole lot of talk, and I don't know what's been said in the last couple of hours, but because of how Houston was so, you know, obviously worried about the hurricane, they had to hurry up and get their series going and get the Angels out of town because – They didn't know, and you don't truly, you can have your weather, you can have your Dopplers, and you can have all this weather stuff, and you got a good idea of where the hurricane is or a tropical storm is going to make landfall, but obviously things can change. As Houston found out with the last major hurricane down there that did not land in Houston, but didn't go inland, went up to Houston and just sat there and dumped, like, record amount of water on the fourth largest city in the country. And basically the city was underwater. So they knew that, you know, it'd be better. Just let's get the angels out of here and hunker down. And luckily for them, they did not get the hurricane whatsoever. It's basically the hurricane hit, uh, which would be the border of Texas and Louisiana. So they really haven't had their time to if they want to protest and not play a game. To where a lot of teams have made that decision in Major League Baseball. So we went into today thinking, is this the day that they're going to say they're not going to play? We have not heard that. Let's bring in Commander Cody, the producer of this fine show. Uh, Cody, how are you? First of all, it's been a while since we've heard your voice here on A's Cast Live.
3: I'm doing well, Townie. Uh It's great to be back on the air. And, you know, a lot's gone on the last few days. But you're right about the Astros and, and that they haven't had the opportunity to to protest the game and, and that. And I haven't seen anything going around yet today that it's going to happen. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to happen today because today's Jackie Robinson Day, which is usually April 15th, but they're celebrating it today, which is a great thing in Major League Baseball. So August 28th of 2020, we're celebrating Jackie Robinson Day. I don't see it happening today. But you never know over the weekend, maybe the Astros players talk with Dusty Baker, the manager, and they say, hey, you know, we feel like we should sit out. And, you know, the A's are going to, you know, side with them with Tony Kemp and Marcus Simeon and Marcus Jensen. And and I was on the I listened to them talk with David Forrest and Bob Melvin yesterday and the rest of the Bay Area media. So uh, I haven't seen anything about a potential sit out yet, but you never know. Things change fluidly uh, anymore, especially on social media. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, I don't know about today. I'm not going to be shocked if it's tomorrow for the Houston Astros because you make a very good point because on a day that you honor Jackie Robinson and everybody wears 42 uh, to boycott a game may not be the right move, but it's not – I'm not a player. I'm not with the Houston Astros organization, so I'm not going to tell them what they should do and how they should do it. How they run their organization is their right. And, you know, most organizations, and this is just not, you know, it's happened in the NBA, it's happened in soccer, it's happened in different sports, and and we'll support whatever they want to do. But it looks like as of today, we are going to be playing. And, oh, yeah, it's a big deal. This is the series. This is what, I mean, here we are. It's the Astros and it's the A's for this division. The A's lead the Astros by four and a half. Can the Astros get back into this thing with a, with a nice series or do the A's lengthen their lead? Let's face it. Seattle's nine and a half games back. Texas is 10 back. Angels are 12 back and there's 28 games to play. That's a lot that you have to make up. I mean, Basically, for the Mariners, the Rangers, or the Angels to be in this thing, you're talking about the A's and the Astros would have to totally implode with this little amount of time left. And that's not happening. So you've got this series, and after this, the Athletics are going to go to Seattle, then they're going to come home and take on the Padres, and then they have the Astros again. You want to bury the Astros? Here's your opportunity. And the way that this series has worked over the last couple of years, there's a a reversal here in what we're talking about between these two franchises. Because the Astros have been the big boys on the block. They're the ones that have been to the World Series. They're the ones that have won the World Series. Whether they cheated or not, they won the World Series. They've been to the World Series twice. They're perennial playoff contenders. They have been the team everybody's been hunting. But all of a sudden here in 2020, and all the injuries that they have, and all the issues that they have, and the issues with the mental side, certain guys have struggled with that their broadcas- their broadcasters have admitted to us. The hunter is now the hunted. And that's the A's. The A's were the hunter. The A's were the ones always trying to track down the Astros. It's a whole different deal now. They're now the top dog. Now everybody is coming after them. And they've handled it really, really well. All you got to do is look at the standings. And the standings tell you everything you need to know about the A's. They're 22-10. and 10. They've won two in a row. Their run differential is plus 41. They have been fantastic at home. They have been good on the road. And they haven't fired on all cylinders. The one thing they have had, though, that we cannot say enough about bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. I've been talking about it in the postgame show, the A's Clubhouse show. A 1.88 ERA is the best ERA in all of baseball. 10 and two with a 1.88 ERA and 13 saves. That has been the strength of the team. Defense, phenomenal. Power, very good. Making a lot of contact, eh, not so hot. A lot of key hits, eh, not so great. Runners in scoring position, eh, we kind of know how that's been going. But that's fine. If you're not firing on all cylinders and you're 22 and 10, 22 and 10, you're the only team in the American League that has 22 wins. That's saying something. According to baseball, these are good times as we have baseball entertaining us as we speak. And there's a lot of great stories going on. Look at the Rays. Rays are a game back of Oakland at 21 and 11. The Twins are 20 and 12. White Sox, Indians, 19 and 12. There are a lot of good stories, and the playoffs in the American League and the, you and can go down to the National League and do the same thing. But this American League playoff, where you're going to put eight teams in there, it's going like to be like a battle royale. Remember the WWF when they used to have the king of the ring and you throw everybody into the ring, all the top stars, and everybody would go after it and try and throw each other out? Like everybody would like team up to try and get Andre the Giant out. That's what these playoffs are going to be like, and I cannot wait.
3: FanGraphs has the A's at 100% chance to make the playoffs right now. They're the besides the Dodgers, I think they're the only team. If I scroll through real quick, yep, they're the only team to, besides the Dodgers that have 100% chance to make the playoff that make the playoffs according to FanGraphs, and they also have them with the third highest percentage to win the World Series behind only the Dodgers and I believe it's Minnesota of all teams. Uh, actually, no, they yeah Minnesota. So they have higher odds than the Yankees, the Rays. They're playing really well, and they're playing a Houston team that they've won six straight against, and nine and ele- nine of eleven. And this is a series you're going to see Lance McCullers tonight, and I think Granky tomorrow, and then Framber Valdez, who was supposed to be a reliever for them, but now he's a starter. They, they, you don't know, you can't name half the guys in the Astros rotation or bullpen, but they're all, you know, they're all coming up big for them. Wait till you hear from
1: Jeff Blum from the Astros, where you've had so many guys had to make their major league debut this year. It's even at a point that you, you they have they have had guys pitching for them out of the bullpen who last year were in single A. I mean just think about that. That would be like the A's calling up guys who pitched in Stockton last year and they're now pitching in the big leagues unreal all right earlier today they were talking about and you heard from Buster that once this thing once this thing started it was, it was it was it was it was full go full steam ahead they're playing they're playing the playoffs they're playing the world series they want that television money they need that television money and all of us who work in baseball want them to get that television money And they're talking about a bubble. Kind of like, you know, the two different spots in hockey or what you got with the NBA. NFL is talking about it. Arlington and Houston would host the NL teams while San Diego and Los Angeles, Cody, does that count Anaheim or is this just Dodger Stadium and Petco?
3: I think it's Dodger Stadium and Petco. This is from uh, Jeff Passan. Uh He was on the Pat McAfee show earlier. Um, he was tweeting. He the, I saw the video, but they were also talking about it. And um, I think it's just Dodger Stadium and Petco um, for the NL teams. And then obviously the. No, Mid- the AL. Is it the
1: AL teams in Southern uh,
3: California? Yeah, AL teams in Southern California. Then Minute Maid and uh, the, the Globe Life. Is it Globe Life Field or Park? I can't remember for the new one in I Arlington. Don't know. Uh,
1: let's hear from Jeff Passan. I want to hear what he had to say.
2: The fact that they are now with no positive tests and with a month left in the season, they're going to bubble for the playoffs. Pat, it's where are they going to be? Yeah, I mean it's going to like uh, the plan right now is at the end of the season for the last week. Even if you are at home, you're going to be staying in a hotel, and and the reason for that is they want to essentially get these teams isolated from everyone so they can fly down to Texas or California. I think the NL playoffs are going to be in in Houston and Arlington is the plan. The AL playoffs are going to be in LA and San Diego perhaps. And they are going to, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to bubble essentially. And then the world series at this point in all likelihood is going to be neutral site Arlington, Texas, Um, not in stone yet, but, Players are are talking about it. They're getting through the details that include, hey, are we going to be allowed to bring families in? And what are the protocols going to be? But I I think at this point, a bubble is a fait accompli. And baseball will have made it through the regular season, uh, hopefully. And I I would guess at this point, I'm up to 75%. They're going to crown a champion this year.
1: Only up to 75%? Really?
3: Yeah, I guess there's still some pessimism there with Jeff Passon, But that was earlier today on the widely popular uh, Pat McAfee show. Uh, the former.
1: I've never heard of the Pat McAfee show. What show is that?
3: Uh, he does it on – he's with Barstool. I forget where he does it now. I don't know if it's on Sirius, but he does a show and it's really popular. I mean, McAfee has like one point something million Twitter followers. The uh, former Colts punter, Western PA guy, West Virginia punter. He, uh, he's funny. He was in WWE last week at a pay-per-view event. Uh, he's he's everywhere right now. So Passon was on there talking about the bubble earlier today. I
1: I I honestly don't understand. And remember, I have talked about this, and it's been a while. These 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 media guys who have been so pessimistic, like Buster only was, but Buster's changed, right? We heard Buster. Buster said, "Hey, listen, once he." Re- once he realized that the owners were going to be full bore ahead he now I mean there are it's unbelievable when you actually look at the true numbers okay the amount of people who have tested positive the death rate everything goes down hospital has hospitalization down everywhere i mean you should see what it is in santa clara county I mean, and he's like, I'm 75% sure we're going to get this in. Jeff, there's 28 games left. You guys predicted a way bigger outbreak than ever happened. They knew. They knew at some point some players would test positive. That's why they had the alternate sites. When's the last time we had a player
3: test positive? Was that a Met? Like one Met? Yeah, I think it was last week. And the Mets and Yankees played a doubleheader today. The Mets won the first game. And I think it came out today there was zero positive tests among players and two staffers. So it was like 0.02% of people tested uh, were positive. It was two staff members out of all of Major League Baseball. So that's another positive step in the right direction. Has anybody in hockey tested positive? Not that I've seen. I mean, the bubble for the NHL seemed to be working very well. Uh, What about the NBA? Haven't seen anything. I mean, you've seen guys leave the bubble, but there's been guys that have left and come back. They had a quarantine, but they've come back. But no, nothing. Uh, in the
1: NBA. They're practicing in the NFL right now. How many in the NFL? It's
3: a good question. I haven't really followed as much of the NHL or the uh, NFL. Trust me, the if other there, was, there was any kind yeah. of outbreak, we would know. Yeah, totally. Especially with the, I the mean, NFL. I mean, it's the
1: NFL. I, it's, that's This is why I don't I, – I, I literally, I don't understand how these guys – who cover baseball for a living, still to this point, it's almost like they're rooting against the sport. It's 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 mind blowing to me that you don't have professional athlete. First of all, we haven't had one professional athlete lose his life to COVID 19, thank God. Not one. That's a 0% death rate. Not one. 0 And now no one's testing positive for it. Nobody. It's been a week and we can give you the examples of the other leagues. And one of the top writers for ESPN is I'm just 75% this award. like really? What facts? What 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 data are you giving your opinion on this? Well, we always love to bring the Hall of Famer on. Have you been? It's been a while since we've been able to talk to you.
4: Yeah, I've been fine. You know, I missed the series the Rangers played uh, in Oakland because I was quarantined. My broadcast partner, Matt Hicks, and our engineer, Ted uh came down with COVID. And so I had to uh, quarantine for two weeks. Fortunately, I did not get sick, but I missed 12
5: games. I'm glad to be back at it.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to have you back. And I know uh, we always joke about how you love the uh, Chinese food, uh, Hunan, here in San Francisco. I might have to do, like, a specialty delivery to you there in Texas to scratch that itch.
4: Bring it on. I'd love it. I did have them send me some of their uh, hot sauce. So I'm at least getting a little bit of taste of it from Henry Hunan.
1: So when, when you look at this season so far, and I, and I think about the Texas Rangers, you know, we 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 know Lance Lynn is going to be, he, you know, the A's got to see him right out of the gate. We know how tough he's going to be. It's just the rest of the pitching, has it disappointed? Just how do you judge it so far in, in 2020?
6: Yeah, especially the starting rotation. The Rangers thought they had three number one starters in Lynn, Mike Minor and Corey Kluber. Well, Kluber got hurt in his first start. He pitched just one inning. He hasn't pitched since and probably won't pitch at all this year. Uh, Miner has been terrible. Nobody's quite sure why, but his earned run average is upwards of 650. Kyle Gibson's done a pretty good job. Uh, And Jordan Lyles has had a nightmare of a season with an ERA over nine. So what the Rangers thought would be their number one strength has turned out to be a big weakness. The back of the bullpen has actually been very good, even though the closer Jose Leclerc is on the injured list. But the Rangers never seem to get to them with a lead.
1: You know, I was thinking about your guys' new ballpark, and I feel so bad for Texas Rangers fans because you're finally going to have a park where you, you you got a roof and you can guarantee games every single night. And I know that was big, and we've actually talked about that before with you. And this is supposed to be the big honeymoon of the big ballpark, and just I, it's just unlucky. it's just it is what it is. Just how sad has it been that you know you have this beautiful new ballpark there in Arlington, right next to Texas Live, but. You know, we don't have any fans in the ballpark.
6: Yeah, it's it's really weird. Opening day was so strange. You know, this was going to be this unbelievable event. And, of course, you know, no fans here other than cardboard ones. Um, it's been interesting to watch how the ballpark plays. You know, it's very different from the previous park, which was a launching pad and a, a nightmare of a place for pitchers. Here, uh, you got to really hit it to hit a home run. You know, I don't know if it's going to turn out to be an extreme pitcher's park, but it's definitely not a hitter's park. You know, the Rangers have played 11 home games here. They've only hit six home runs. And when you include the Rangers and the opposition, the park is averaging about one home run a game, whereas the other park averaged three home runs a game. So it's very different. You know, we have artificial turf here, uh, which is very fast, but the grass was fast at the old ballpark. I don't know that that's that big a difference but the difference in how the ball carries is enormous between the two ballparks.
1: I got to think, you know, long-term from a winning standpoint, that that is a positive because we all know if you can't pitch, you're not going to win. And we saw, you know, years and years ago, Ranger teams that had such great offenses, but they just couldn't win because of the pitching. I know this has got to be strange for you. I mean, a pitcher's ballpark in Arlington, who would have ever thought?
6: Yeah, it's it's a whole new deal. You know, there have actually been three games here already this year out of the eleven where neither team hit a home run. That happened three times all last year in eighty-one games at the other ballpark. So so it is very different, but I think it's gonna make the Rangers a lot more attractive to free agent pitchers. Nobody liked pitching, you know, in that ballpark across the street, you know, hot and windy. Uh it really takes its toll both on an individual night basis and cumulatively. So uh, I think this is going to make a big difference. There's also a deeper center field here than at the old ballpark. You have to really hit it to get it out in center field. Uh, We don't have as deep an alley in left center, um, but from deep right center to deep left center, you know, it's well over 400 feet. And with the ball not carrying that well, you got to crush it to get it out of there.
1: Well, I think about the guy you got going tonight. and We got to see him earlier this year, and that was the first start for jesus lazardo our super prospect but uh lynn Lynn is legit i think there is no question when you look at him as a frontline starter and who you can build around i gotta think for texas ranger fans he's one of those guys now that when you know he's starting everybody comes to the ballpark and they say today is win day
6: and fortunately you know the players feel that too and you know this club has lost eight games in a row Uh, Lynn has only pitched one of those losses and the Rangers didn't get any runs for him. You know, he hasn't had a bad start. Uh, He's second in the league in ERA He's second in innings. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that should give our ball club a lift coming home and having Lance Lynn on the mound. Uh, You know, he wants the ball. He's averaging more pitches per start than anybody else. Um, He's the guy to build a pitching staff around. The question is whether the Rangers will do that. You know they have them signed for next year too, but you know, are the Rangers going to be sellers at the trading deadline? You know, a week from today, would they possibly make Lance Lynn available? You know, for a big package, uh, that's what people are wondering here right now. You know, he'll have one more start after this one. He'll face the Dodgers on Saturday, uh, but it does give everybody a lift when he goes to the mound.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you that because that was something, you know, we do the David Four show here on Ace Cast and, and, and two weeks ago he said it was just it was awkward that he got his first text from somebody in another organization about the trading deadline and it kind of shocked him because we're all in this now and we're not thinking about, you know, two weeks from now, we're just hoping to play games on a daily basis. As, as I say all the time here, Eric, that we're hanging on by a thread and so many spots in baseball, but yeah, we do have a trading deadline and this thing's going to happen. And, you know, I, I think of the Rangers, okay, maybe they could sell some things, but I think of the Rangers as we go forward, at least in the next year, I see the Rangers being buyers and the Rangers really trying to beef up their team as they really want to start this new ballpark.
6: It seemed that way. You know, the way things have gone this year uh, makes some people think differently maybe. So many players have underperformed that I don't know if they're rethinking that. You know, I think initially they thought that not necessarily this year, but next year. The Rangers could be, you know, major contenders. But so many guys have underperformed this year. And I understand, you know, it's they haven't even played 30 games yet. Um, but trying to make decisions based on this short season is very difficult, you know, when you're looking ahead to future seasons.
1: Yeah, and especially when you got 16 teams are going to be in the postseason, eight in each league. So, like, who feels they're a buyer? Who feels they're a seller? Who feels they're a player? Because, I mean, I think we all have to admit, That in this season, it's kind of anybody's game. And anybody has like a puncher's chance to win this World Series. You just got to get in.
6: You just got to get in. I think the thing, though, once the playoffs start, now you're having to win a lot of games against good teams. And you better have a good pitching staff. You better have the same kind of guys who you want to pitch in the playoffs in a normal year. And I think that's going to separate the pretenders who sneak into the playoffs, possibly even with losing records as wildcard teams, you know, from the teams that truly belong there. And uh, I think that you're going to see teams who think they have a legitimate chance of winning, like the A's, you know, trying to get major acquisitions. And uh, some of the teams that are the fringe teams, it seems to me it would be insane for those teams to give up legitimate prospects you know, to make sure they make the playoffs as a sixth or seventh or eighth seed when you look at their pitching staff and they don't really have a realistic chance of going all the way and winning the World Series.
1: You know, we look at this season, and I know like a lot of our players, it's kind of different for you guys, uh, but for a lot of our, our players, they have liked the aspect of staying on the West Coast pretty much. The entire season, other, w- other than when they do come to you guys and the Houston Astros, more regional baseball than we've ever seen. I mean, you and I both remember way back when how ridiculous it was. The National League West had the Atlanta Braves and the Cincinnati. It's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But you, do you think, like, after this, we could see a change to where? Why are the A's and the Dodgers not in the same division or the A's and the Giants? or Like, why are we not going to cut travel down for all these different players? Should, should the Rockies really be in the West? And, and I think about you guys there in the Central. It may make more sense for you guys to be in the Central and cut down way more on travel.
6: Yeah, baseball is so resistant to major change. I'd still be surprised to see it happen. It makes all the sense in the world. You know, what the Rangers and Astros are going through this year is really difficult. Having to constantly go to time zones to play these teams on the West Coast, both the American League West teams and the National League West teams. You know, that's why you're seeing these odd starting times, you know, where, you know, the Rangers had a bunch of eight o'clock starts at home so that the games would be six o'clock on the West Coast. So people would be able to get home from work in time to watch the games in the West Coast cities. And conversely. You know, you guys have had to start home games at 6 o'clock instead of 7 so that fans in Texas don't have to wait till 9 o'clock for all these games since we're not just playing the three American League West teams but all those teams in the National League West, you know, four of those teams that are basically in the Pacific time zone. So uh, it's been bizarre, but maybe it will open the minds of the powers that be in baseball to the possibilities of having more regional travel and, and making the thing make sense a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I I have felt bad for your fan base. I mean, I I know for us, we've actually liked starting earlier. You you know, I mean, just the reality of having games, you know, for for my kids to be able to watch the games because once it gets past 10 o'clock, they can't. But how tough has that been for Ranger fans? Because especially for the young kids, if we're playing three-plus hours, I mean, you're now talking past 11 o'clock.
6: Exactly. And, you know, and the games are not any shorter this year. They're actually a little bit longer than last year relievers are pitching more innings that's what i blame for that You know, relievers work much more slowly and uh, as a result you know we've had a bunch of games end at 11 30 you know when we get done with our post-game show you know i'm leaving the ballpark at midnight you know on those days and it's it's crazy but you know i understand the reason for it and i think that uh you know it's definitely a major disadvantage though for the rangers and the astros the way they're having to constantly go two times zones.
1: with, with the, the, the different changes that we have this season, what are the ones you like? What are the ones you dislike? Cause obviously you've been in this game a long time. You're, you're a hall of famer. You get, you have a lot of respect in this game. Uh, what have you liked? And what have you disliked?
6: Well, I like the uh, rule that says the reliever has to pitch to three guys or else these games would be 10 or 15 minutes or longer. Especially with expanded rosters, you'd be seeing so much of the one batter lefty, one batter righty, one batter lefty with teams carrying ten guys in their bullpen. I'm really glad that rule is there. Um, As it turns out, I've liked the extra innings rule. Rangers have only played two extra innings games and they lost both, so we haven't had the kind of experience that you know A's fans have enjoyed. But I like it. I like the strategy. I like the excitement of it. You know, I had seen it in international tournaments before. I never really cared for it there. But, you know, given the situation this year, I was glad to see it, you know, being tried. And I actually like it. You know, I was in favor of having tie games instead of, you know, putting guys on second base, but not anymore. I actually like it. Um, What I don't like is they didn't put in a pitch clock. To me, they missed a major opportunity this year since there's so much experimentation going on to implement a pitch clock and get some rhythm back in the game. We still don't have it. Pitchers are still taking far too long between pitches. And as soon as the bullpen comes into the ballgame, it grinds to a halt. That hasn't changed. And for me, that is the single biggest problem facing baseball in terms of making new fans and keeping the fans that we have.
1: God bless you, preach on. You know what I'm gonna do? And I said this to Ray Fossey when we're gonna we're gonna do the collective bargaining agreement. I said, Ray, I'm gonna fly us out to New York to help them negotiate. By the way, we're gonna stop by Texas and we're gonna bring you with Take us. You because these ideas need to change because I, I keep – my our fans will get mad at me when I talk about time, but I have 14-year-old twin daughters. I can't get them to watch baseball for three and a half hours. The sport was not meant to be played this long. We need to speed it up. We need to change it. You are so right. And, uh, you know, it's going to be sad not seeing you on the field this year.
6: Yeah, I know. I really miss it. I just hope we're doing it next year. You know, who knows what situation we're in we're going to be in next year. But, uh, I know, the Rangers – Next year, don't go to open until uh, late June, which is odd. But the Rangers go there June, August, and September. So uh, maybe by June, everything will be back to normal.
1: Well, all the respect in the world. We always appreciate your time, especially before a game that you got a call tonight. Thank you very much. Be safe and be well, and we'll talk to you soon. All right.
6: Thanks a lot, Chris. Stay safe.
1: It has been a while. How have you been doing down in Texas?
5: Uh, we're doing good, man. I mean, enjoying the new ballpark, missing fans like everybody else is. Uh, but the ballpark is, uh, is beautiful. Uh, interesting to kind of watch the guys get comfortable playing in that ballpark and how it plays. And so far it's been playing pretty big. Uh, certainly wish the team is playing a little bit better. They all do. Uh, unfortunate to, uh, deal with a couple of the injuries that they had to deal with, especially Corey Kluber. That was a big one. Uh, but other than that, it has been, uh, it's been baseball in Texas as usual, with the exception of a roof and air conditioning.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, that's the thing, you know, watching, you know, the, the games, I feel so bad that here a franchise, is you know, built a new spot and, you know, right next to Texas live. And, and I just think the whole thing is going to be a huge hit. And I just feel so bad that. The fact that the, the pandemic, COVID hits, COVID-19, and fans don't get to enjoy it. I mean, we've really never seen this before in the history of American sports where the investment is made for the fans. And in the first first year, you don't even get the honeymoon stage.
5: Yeah, it's really unfortunate. And strange, too. How about this? I, did, I saw this in the opening day notes that the Rangers in their history have played in three ballparks, essentially, uh, over their time. And in each of those seasons in which the ballpark debuted, it was a shortened MLB season. Now, nothing to the degree of what we're seeing here in 2020, uh, but in 1972 and 19, or 1994, uh, we dealt with shortened MLB seasons. So it's, uh, it seems like there's a little bit of uh, bad luck working in the Rangers' direction. But you're right, there's a beautiful venue. Fans are really going to enjoy it. Uh, for the fans in Texas that have dealt with the heat uh, in those tough summer months are absolutely going to love uh, the air conditioning. Um, but in the meantime, we got to hang tight and kind of get through this thing. And, and once we get up and running, uh, everybody will be enjoying it, and it's going to be fantastic.
1: Yeah, this just tell us how beautiful is the ballpark. And, yes, we've heard that it's playing not as a hitter, hitter's ballpark, but as a pitcher's park.
5: Well, if you hit the ball in the air, it definitely is playing to the advantage of the pitchers. <laughs> the gaps are playing pretty big. The ball's not carrying. Uh whole plate is about 15 feet. Uh, further down uh, than across the street in the old ballpark, so you're a little bit further uh, in the ground, they think that may have something to do with it a little bit. Um, you don't get that same carry, you don't get the jet stream that they had for years that went out to right field uh, at the old ballpark at Globe Life Park. And so that that part has been different for some of these hitters, and even some of the home runs that we have seen. Joey Gallo hit a ball off the dead center that that got out by a few feet. We just and man, that thing would have been 40 feet. Um, past the center field wall if this was the same place that we played in a year ago. And so they're dealing with that. The difference for some ground ball hitters is that the surface is playing really fast. You know, it's that artificial turf similar to what they're using in Arizona where they kind of mix in with sand and coconut husks. And uh, the players, it's that it feels really good. It feels soft. It's not spongy. Um, they like the way it feels on the body, but the ground balls have been pretty quick um, so far based on what we have seen. And so if you a ground ball hitter. And I know we don't teach that very much in the game these days, but if you do hit the ball in the ground and you hit it in the air, uh, you're going to get a little bit of help. And that has helped a handful of players. Nick Solak I think, and Falefa are a couple of Rangers that don't lift the ball nearly as much as maybe your standard hitter does uh, in today's game. And so they've taken full advantage of that as well and fielders got to be on their toes because those ground balls are going to get to you a little bit quicker and you may not have nearly as much range as you felt like you used to have left to right because those balls now are going to pass you.
1: Yeah, how much have we talked about lately where – you know, you miss a guy that actually hits over three hundred, constantly puts the ball in play, doesn't <sighs> strike out. The guy that my callers always talk about is a guy that we had recently in Jed Lowry, and we hope he reestablishes his career, whether it's the Mets or who, whatever. But you remember Jed as a switch hitter with the A's. You just couldn't get him out. How much do we miss that guy that has has this great? ability for extra base hits, contact, constantly putting the ball in play. How much do we miss that guy in baseball?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, there are some guys that still do, um, but it's not nearly as much. Right There's been a trend in the game in which uh, you're rewarded um, for hitting home runs. strikeouts are accepted more than they ever have been. And so we do miss some of that stuff. And, you know, bigger picture here with Texas, it's something that Chris Woodward has brought up and wondering if this ballpark, um, will force their hitters to be better hitters because they're not going to get away with some bad swings and get the ball in the air and get rewarded for it. Any home run you hit with a global wide field is going to be one that you have earned. And so because of that, we may see that change a little bit. And I don't know if you can necessarily change your approach when you're in for a four-game series the way that A's are right now. And they certainly still have some pop in their lineup. Um But yeah, I wish I certainly miss those guys. I mean, I, I always feel like when I watch games now and I when I'm calling games, I still talk about When I see a guy take a pitch that's outside and drive it into the opposite field gap, those are the toughest guys to game plan against, as far as I'm concerned. Because your pull power hitters usually have holes. And if you can get to those holes in their swing, you're going to be able to get them out. It's the guys that have the most point coverage. The guys that can drive the ball to all fields are the most difficult ones to game plan against uh, because they can hit almost everything. I mean, every hitter has a hole somewhere. Um, but when you get the guys that spray a little bit more power, they're much more of a challenge. They're much more of a pain for opposing hitters or pitchers. They're the guys that are driving up pitch counts for foul balls. They're the guys that are frustrating pitchers. Because of that offensive field, ball in the gap, and then you try to go inside, they're able to turn on it and pull a ball down the line. It's uh, cornered it up. So those are the real challenge hitters, and they're more fun to watch. And With this game right now and the direction that it's headed in and the lack of balls that are getting put in play, I miss those guys a lot too. But the game has uh, changed in that regard. Do um, we have rewarded, you know, some of this play? It's it's work. Teams believe that over the long haul, it's still a recipe for success, so they're okay with it. But I'm with you. I definitely miss, and I don't mean I miss, you know, seeing 180 pound hitters just hit ground balls the other way, but guys that can actually drive the ball uh, to all fields and put in play more is something that I wish we could see more of.
1: You know, when you look at this season, we were wondering, you know, at the start of it, what was it going to be like? How was it going to play? And if you look right now, the team with the best record in the National League and the team with the best record in the American League, that's the Dodgers and the A's. They're also (laughs) one and two in bullpen ERA. Are you shocked by that? Or is that something that, hey, listen, we we should have probably realized going in bullpen bullpens are going to play really big in this quick shortened season.
4: Yeah, it's pretty
5: hard not to win and uh, to be a successful team if the bullpen is dominating, right? It's just not something that we see uh, very often. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, you talk about uh, a bullpen that's dominating right now. Uh, they are absolutely uh, getting it done. You mentioned the A's in there as well, and then the job that they have done so far. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are doing a pretty good job, and they're a first-place team right now. Uh, in the American League. Now They run their bullpen a little bit different because that bullpen takes on a lot of innings. Um, as well. But you're right. I mean, yeah, I say that, but here are the Cleveland Indians with the third best D-Ray of that group and, and they're scratching and clawing and, and trying to catch the Minnesota Twins. But I think it's the amount of innings as well. And again, I go back to the Tampa Bay Rays and knowing that they use that opener, so it's not surprising that they've maybe taken on the most innings. But then it's the Boston Red Sox, right? We know they're struggling. they starting pitching is struggling mightily. They have the second most games pitched uh, out of their bullpen, so not necessarily um, a good thing that's happening there. But, yeah, I think that we probably should have expected this to some degree, and we knew teams weren't going to push on their starters too early. We've seen a lot of injuries. We've seen some surprise and effectiveness in rotations uh, from certain guys. And you think about the pause, you know, getting ready to about start the season, have to back off, crank it back up, maybe not having the resources that you uh, during that quarantine time, uh, to be able to get the work done that you needed, that all is probably affected. Uh, starting pitchers, sometimes you are off the great starts. So Although we did see Daniel Cole take his first loss of the season, and this first loss is last May. Uh, this afternoon in Atlanta, um, some guys are still throwing the ball really well. So there's been a weird mix, and the bullpens are important. And that's why, as we head to the deadline, there'll be a lot of conversations and talks about which bullpen, which bullpen arms will be available, and teams trying to make sure that their bullpen is in much better shape as they. Try to finish up the season and make the postseason run.
1: You know, money is going to play a big deal coming up with this trading deadline on Monday. And and does anyone to anybody want to take on money? I don't really know what kind of big time deal there possibly could be out there. Are you expecting like when you're you know you know putting on your national hat? Are you, are you expecting anything big by Monday going down between any teams?
5: I think so. I think we'll see definitely. Um, some big trades. I think that based on what GMs have told us so far uh, that the chatter is picking up, I think that there's confidence that the season uh, will take place and finish right there. A couple of weeks ago, we weren't quite sure where we were headed as we started to see an outbreak in Miami and with the Cardinals and we started seeing the postponement of games. I think the confidence is higher now that we'll be able to finish the season. That helps a little bit with the idea of movement, but you're right on money. Uh, Obviously, revenues are down in a big way because of no fans for a lot of teams. Uh, some teams were pretty highly leveraged to begin with, anyway, so there wasn't much wiggle room. Um, yeah. There are some teams that can take on a little bit of money, but I, you know, think of a name like, say, Alex Cobb, who still another year left on his deal. Uh, he's shown the ball pretty well in Baltimore; they love the movement. Um What teams are, are okay taking on? You know, not just this year's money, but the same with for next year. Uh, in Seattle, I think, is a good example of a player that the Mariners may otherwise try to move front from. Uh, Club option, now a player option, which means fifteen million dollars added onto his deal, Uh, plus he has another year Uh, left on. So that becomes an issue because the dollars are too high. So no doubt that'll get in the way, but I don't think it'll completely bring things uh, to a stop. I I believe we'll probably see a couple of good trades before Monday is complete.
1: And then with the postseason, the expectations—you know—something that we've never seen a true tournament in baseball. We've seen it in other sports, and and usually it's it's the hottest team who wins. It's not necessarily the best team. It's not necessarily uh, the team that comes in not playing well, but yet we've seen teams that don't come in playing well. What else? We've seen it all when it comes to tournament time, but what are you expecting with a tournament in baseball now with 16 teams?
5: Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? The wild-card game is non-existent. It's the best-of-three series. There's no travel in that first series. I do think this opens it up to maybe more surprises. Starting pitching still plays. I think what we saw with the Washington Nationals last year. You know, don't forget they almost lost that wild-card game. I mean, it was really close. Uh, the, the misplay by Trent Grisham in the outfield uh, in the eighth inning of that wild-card game led to three runs, which gave the Nationals the lead, and then they went on to win it and, and close things out the next inning. They were that close to losing – that wild card game, and said their World Series champions run as they went on. So that's what's great about our sport. I think, especially this year, uh, whether it's injuries, whether it's guys that have opted out, uh, it is amazing to see um, that, that you feel like you know what. There could be some surprise teams in this thing. There could be some teams that go on runs, and, I, and that's why I believe there will be some teams that'll will try to get aggressive, even though it's a little bit of a different feel this year uh, as far as uh, what they what they try to acquire. Um, The shortened season does allow for a Cinderella story as far as a 60 game season this year. Right, Thinking about a team like the Chicago White Sox, who are currently a postseason team in second place, um, and they're starting to get some good pitching to go along with that lineup. Right, They were probably a team that was looked at as a sleeper uh, going into this year. The Blue Jays were another team uh, that was probably looked at in that regard. Somehow the Marlins are a second-place team right now if they find themselves in the postseason. I mean, they're still a month to go. That was the one team we weren't counting on in the National League to be competitive. So we're getting all these surprises pretty much halfway through um, the year. Um, But the team that is able to stay the healthiest, uh, whether it's baseball injuries or dealing with COVID, is the team that's going to probably have the best chance of surviving because it's going to be much more of a gauntlet this year trying to get to a World Series and win a World Series than it's ever been in years
1: past. You know, of course, you know we see you doing a Rangers television, but just how much fun is it? When you guys get together and, you know, I'll be driving around and I, I and I got you on XM 89, uh, you know, being on MLB radio on Sirius XM where you really get to chop up the entire league and you have all those resources to talk to everybody in baseball. Just how much do you enjoy that? Because I know a lot of our fans are able to listen to you.
5: Yeah, it's fun. I really do enjoy it. And it's been nice that we were able to stay on air, whether we were recorded for a little while, but during the entire pandemic that MLB Network Radio was still able to do programming. We actually had much more access to players that were around with not nearly as much to do, and we're eager to talk, um, which was a nice part of, a nice upside, I guess, of a bad situation uh, this past summer uh, to be able to dig. And it helps me a ton. You know, even though my, my main gig is doing these Rangers games, uh, I do like staying involved. Uh, with everything that's going on around the game. And then if we get a slow game or a topic comes up, um, you know, I've, I've covered it probably, most likely, uh, at that point. So I think it helps with our broadcast as well, even though, of course, we're focused mostly on the Rangers. We don't ignore everything that's going on around the league. And so that, that has been something that has benefited me as well. Uh, it's really easy to do as far as from the convenience standpoint. You know, in the off seasons I'm doing it from my home. Um, and then during the season, we're not traveling much right now, so it's even easier uh, to be able to get those shows in. But I love it. I love the people that I work with, with Steve Phillips and Eduardo Perez and Ryan Spielborgs and we have a really good group. And I love talking the game. And it's just amazing. You know, you always feel like man, we're going to run out of things to talk about, but there's just always stories in game and during the season. And there really are not very many slow days over the course of a full calendar year. I mean, even this past off season. Kind of the way that the news developed, it was really nice. It was very consistent this year. And we didn't really have very many dead spots, um, which was really nice. And so, yeah, I'm grateful to be able to do it, and, and it is kind of fun.
1: CJ, you're the best. We always appreciate your time. Be safe with the family. Be well. And, and we'll talk to you soon.
5: Sounds good, Chris. Thanks for having me, as always.
1: Blummer. It's been a while since we talked. I hope all is well for you down there in the Southwest with your family and everything. I know these are trying times, and it has not been easy. How are you, my friend?
7: Uh, I'm doing really well. The fact that we're on talking to each other means that uh, there's a good series coming up, so hopefully some good baseball coming. But, yeah, we are good. Uh, the girls are back in school, even though it's virtually, and we were very, very lucky that hurricane Laura went uh, a little more to the East or else we would have been uh, beat up pretty good, but we're in great shape. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was watching that on the weather channel and you know, we know what you guys have already been through when it comes to, comes with the hurricane. So uh, yeah, it was, we, it looked like that outer ring might kind of get to Houston, but the fact that didn't, that, uh and I also made it for the A's to be able to get into into town and now have this series and the series is so interesting cuz we have such heavy times around us but we're still playing baseball and the A's and the Astros they still don't like each other and the Astros are chasing the A's I mean no matter what once once baseball starts this is a this is a big series
7: no, this is a great series, and it's kind of been one of those over the last couple of years where it's, you know, that, that rivalry has heated up a little bit. Uh, and then you add the Mike Fiers uh, into the situation, and then you add the Laureano, uh, you know, into the situation, and all of a sudden you've got sparks flying. And, you know, the, the baseball part of me and the broadcaster part of me actually enjoys the fact that there is kind of that heat between two teams that are very good and competing for a division title to get to the playoffs. You know, it adds all kinds of intrigue and stories to the whole situation, and hopefully it garners, you know, a a very good matchup. But you're right, a lot has unfolded since the last time we saw the A's because they've been running away with the West the way they've been playing.
1: Was there any time in your career where you said, you know what, I'm going to run at the other dugout and I'm going to take on everybody? (laughs)
7: Um, knowing that my fighting skills are based on size and not reaction. I've never thought about doing that. So, no, it would have taken me at, especially in Oakland, it would have taken me a half an hour to get from first base to the dugout, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that it, it, it's what makes me like Ramon Laureano. He's like a football player. He really is. He's a, he comes out every day. He's a tough guy. It's real. Like his presence and mm-hmm. the way he plays, I don't want him to change. It was just like, I've just never really seen a guy say, "You know what? I, I'm 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 so far away from my dugout. I don't care. I'm going after these guys." <laughs> I was like, "You know what? Never lose that spirit."
7: No, you do love that about uh, you know certain guys out there, and you know we, and that's one of the things that you know it's hard to explain when you're on the field. It's you know these guys are playing a game, yes. But it's still, it is a, is a heightened emotional state that these guys are in. And like we just stated, you know, there is history between these teams, you know, battling for the first spot in the American League West. So there's that heightened intensity. And then you add, you know, when you add some personal conflict to that, you're going to get some emotion out there. And, uh, and if you've got a guy like Laureano, like you said, it's a little bit of a bulldog. Uh, it doesn't take much to spark that fire.
1: And you think about, and, and, and I haven't looked at the data on this, but I just know from the A's standpoint, they've been hit a lot this year. And it's partially on them because you got a lot of guys crowding the plate. You got a lot of guys taking big swings, trying to hit a home runs. Pitchers got to be able to throw inside. And even if you get hit by a slider and you know no one's trying to hit anybody with a slider, just, you, you know, you as a hitter, at some point, guys get tired of getting hit. Even if you're crowding the plate once again, even if the pitcher has to pitch inside, even if you do get hit by a breaking ball, and sometimes guys just get tired. You get tired of getting hit.
7: No, you you really do, and that's actually a really good point. There's a couple of things that kind of play into that for me, and it's a little bit different in 2020 because we have the expanded rosters. Uh, You know, you look at the Astros roster. They've got nine guys that have made their major league debut on that pitching mound. So it's a combination of a league that is getting away from the fastball, getting on the spin, and it's, for lack of a better term, it's guys who are just inexperienced at the big league level. They they haven't developed the command of some of these pitches, and they're getting away, and it seems to be that they are finding the Oakland A's, but you're, you're right in the sense that, you know, it's like sitting in the back seat with your brother, and he, he's going to poke you and go, ha ha. And then you're like, okay, stop, please stop, please stop. And about that fourth or fifth time, you turn around you you give them a left hook and you knock them out and you're like, okay, that's going to stop the situation. That's what the A's are trying to do is stop the situation where they continue to get hit. So it's understandable.
1: You mentioned how many guys have made their debut for the Astros this year. I bet you've never seen anything like this in your career. God, no. No,
7: no, this has probably been the most challenging year, not just uh, as a player for some of these guys, but for broadcasters like myself. Uh, we, th- you know, we try to do as much homework as we can, but we're so far down into the minor leagues on prospect lists that, uh, you know, there's there's certain information that I, I can't even get my hands on to figure out who these guys are.
1: That's just crazy. I mean, but that's how banged up you guys have been, especially for your bullpen.
7: Yeah, the bullpen's been been crushed. Asuna came out early, uh, he's going to be down, you know, for if not this season, maybe next season. Uh, Brad Peacock, Austin Pruitt, a guy they got in a, you know, they picked up in the offseason. Uh, you know, there, there's a handful of guys out there. Uh, Jose Ortiz, you know, we've moved guys that were going to be peripheral bullpen guys into the starting rotation. You know, guys like Fromber Valdez, Christian Javier, Brandon Bielak. You know, these are guys that were going to be on a 60-man roster and possibly be called up. But with the injuries to the rotation and the injuries to the bullpen, these guys have been thrust into situations where, uh, you know, they're trying to prove themselves and cut their teeth at the big league level and not just do it at the big league level, do it in a competitive situation where you're trying to make a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, and I, I think about this series and this rivalry and, you know, kind of for the first time, and I asked Bob Melvin this, and it's kind of hard to ask because we got a. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on in this world, but really it's the first time in a while that the Astros are not the hunted. The A's are now the hunted and the Astros are the hunter. We haven't seen this in the past couple of years.
7: No. And, and, you know, when the dynamic shifts like that, it makes it a little bit interesting to see how the, the, the hunted, you know, the hunted becomes the hunter. How, how do they hunt? Are they able to go out there and hunt? And I think what's been great with the Oakland A's is that we've kind of watched this maturation process of a of a good young core of talent. You know, the the Canas, the Simeons, the Chapman's, the Olsons, and a couple of key pieces mixed in there with you know Lazardo coming out and, and and from the minor leagues and doing a great job uh, picking up a guy like Jake Diekman. Hendricks is you know developed into a great closer. So. It's been kind of, you know, fun on the outside watching this team develop and become a very good ball club. They win in different ways. They win with the long ball. They win with the closing out games with the bullpen. And I think they've done a very good job of being that hunter for so long that now that they're being the hunted, they really haven't changed their mentality in the sense that they're hunting wins. And that's what they've been very good at doing. And now it's up to the Astros with, you know, a little bit of a depleted roster. But hopefully in the next couple weeks they can get healthy and continue to fight in uh, the American League West. But it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch what the A's have done.
1: You know, we all know that Dusty Baker is one of the coolest guys of all time. And I uh, got to cover him years ago in San Francisco. And you really needed a calming influence. You needed a different voice. You needed a um, You needed a cool dude in the room. Just how has Dusty Baker been as the manager of the Houston Astros?
7: Um, he has been very calming and, you know, he got his extension early, you know, the got the option picked up on his contract early in the season. And, uh, you know, for me having played a little bit and played with some great managers and some bad managers, I think the fact that they picked up his option early enough in the season kind of speaks to how he's handling things inside. And if he didn't have the backing of the team, the organization wouldn't have extended that contract. So it tells me he's got a pretty good handle on what's going on but the way he's been able to navigate, you know, some of the injuries, navigate some, using some of these rookies and he's actually been fearless in the sense for me and it probably instilling a lot of confidence in some young guys by putting him in some tough situations, you know, Enoli Paredes is, is a guy who comes out of the bullpen having pitched in a ball last year, but he's got an electric arm and he's been able to throw strikes and Dusty recognizes that and now he's putting him in the 7th and 8th inning and relying on some of these guys. So it's kind of nice to have that, uh, you know, that parental figure at the top of the organization in some of these, you know, tumultuous times that we're in, both on and off the field.
1: You know, you're in a normal year where you got guys who are pitching an A-ball are <laughs> in the big leagues. Oh, my God.
7: Yeah, you're kind of, you're almost relying on these guys. Some of these guys are going to be talented, but They're going to be raw. You know, some of these pitchers are going to be all over the place. But, you know, to be honest, I think you're almost relying on the element of surprise. Because if you go out there and, you you know, you have a, you know, your hitting coach brings over, you know, Simeon and Chapman or whoever's going to come up in that inning and go, okay, this guy pitched an A-ball last year. And all of a sudden, you're going to get guys with their eyes are going to open up and go, what the heck? You know, what do you know about this guy? So, you, you know, the element of surprise kind of helps out sometimes.
1: Hey, can you imagine? Hey, can you give me his stats from the Lake Elsinore? form? <laughs>
7: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He struck he struck out 90 in A-ball last year. What does that mean here?
1: Oh yeah. That year he had in Rancho Cucamonga, you better watch out for this guy.
7: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Not, yeah, especially yeah, like it's like in Major League. When he you know, where was this guy last year? The California Penal League. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, I don't want you to mention any names, but as a player. When you know you have a bad manager, just how bad of a grind is that?
7: Well, you could go back and look at the back of my baseball card and probably pick out one season in 2004 and uh, and realize that it was a rough year because of the team record and my personal stats. But there, if you – it's like anything. If you If you're going to a job where you don't like your boss or you don't like the atmosphere you're in, it is a grind. And you're just trying – you're literally waking up and going, how do I just – survive the day with, you know, with my mental state and emotional state still intact.
1: Yeah, that's what, uh, that's why I think someone like Bob Melvin and Dusty Baker, and I know the two have talked uh, going into this series because of uh, all the stuff that's going on uh, in the country and around professional sports. I mean, as you mentioned that, you know, having the, uh, having the adult in the room is, is is so important. I mean, because we're hanging on by – I've been saying it all the time, Blummer. We're hanging on by a thread just to get these games in. And we're, we're dealing yeah. – I mean, you guys were just worried about – I mean, you're still dealing with COVID-19. We're now dealing mm-hmm. with, with, with all the issues in our country. My God, you just escaped a hurricane. I mean, you got – we got so much going on on a daily basis. If you didn't have that figurehead at the top of the chart who holds everything together, I can't even imagine what a clubhouse would be like.
7: I'm with you on that. And it's kind of, it's it's interesting that you do bring up guys like uh, Bob Melvin and, and Dusty Baker, because obviously Ducky, Dusty, you know, coming up uh, through baseball in the 60s and 70s, uh, he's seen baseball a little bit differently. And then you've got Bob Melvin, who's up in the Bay Area for most of his life and his career. And the things that he's seen, not just on the baseball field, but also off the field. I think that you know, these guy managers these days are put in such a unique position where you've got a highly analytical, data-driven uh, mentality, but there's also got to be that humanity and humility and that person personality that has to be involved in the game, and, uh, you know, I think this, you know, the, the A's organization is so blessed to have a guy like Bob Melvin who, you know, isn't hyper-emotional, really does a good job of of grasping both the the intellectual part of the game and the the emotional part of the game and we're at a a point now where sports is being melded into societal issues where they can take a stand and Bob Melvin is is a true professional in every sense where he's going to listen to every single side that he possibly can and also give an ear to some of those guys in the clubhouse who probably need it and I think Dusty in the same way is going to you know provide a, a an ear to bend if these guys need it but also a calm influence and, uh, you know, some knowledge to back up how he's feeling and allow these guys to show their personality a little bit, which is really interesting in this day and age.
1: Let's end on this. You just said something, actually, that's, that that was very well put and in there where you talked about analytics with all the stuff going on. We really in baseball haven't really been talking about analytics. I mean, analytics has dominated our conversation the past couple Mm -hmm. of years so much. Right now, I mean, it still is obviously with the players, but for us in the media, it's kind of like we're not even bringing that up anymore.
7: How can you? 2020 is throwing everything on its side, and we don't know which end is up right now. We're trying to figure that out. And, you know, analytics are great in a normal season where you have predictability, and we are living in a world right now that is completely unpredictable.
1: We always appreciate the time, and it sucks that we don't get to see you. But it's always great to have you on. Be safe down there in Texas. Uh, I, I know it's not easy, but uh, uh, hopefully, we'll get all this uh, cleared up, and we'll have a normal season next year. But we'll talk to you again. But just be safe, be well. and We'll talk to you soon.
7: I, I always appreciate being on with you, Chris. Uh, all the best, to everybody in the Bay Area, and uh, yeah, we're we're all moving through this together. We'll we'll find a way.
1: Well, Buster, we tell our fans every day You got the number one podcast in Major League Baseball It is a must, Baseball Tonight And uh, through these crazy times Thank you for what you do Because your reporting is always so great The interviews, you keep us entertained We still get educated on baseball and, And I know this is the strangest time for all of our careers But you guys continue to do great work
8: Well, I appreciate it And, uh yeah, it's fun, uh, you know, once you get games going, to to break away and to be able to have conversations about actual baseball, but, uh, you know, it's like that line from The Godfather. Once, you know, you thought you were out, they keep pulling you back in because you get outbreaks and you got other issues popping up. It's definitely a different year.
1: You know, we talk about all the time on our show, Ace Cast Live, about how we are hanging on by a thread. And what is so tough for A's fans right now, Buster, is that this team is so good. I mean, you look at what they have from a pitching standpoint. Right now, they have the best bullpen in the game with a one ERA. The starters are starting to give you innings. They've got a ton of power. They play great defense. And just every day, you're worried if you're going to have a game or not. And it just stinks because this A's team really is so talented.
8: It really is um and i do feel like you know as much as we talk about the yankees and their potential and i mean their roster if they were healthy how potent that would be we, you know you talk about the twins a team that won 101 games last year and you know how good that team is and uh, but oakland to this point has been the best team in the american league with you know the all-around play that it has the one thing i'd say you know despite all the uncertainty um that I think it's pretty clear at this point that, regardless of whether or not they have outbreaks or they have to shut down some teams or players opt out, Major League Baseball is plowing ahead. You know, when we started this thing, and I, I spoke very, uh, you know, pessimistically about the chances they could get through it. You know, based on my conversations with baseball executives, there was one general manager who said to me, "If we get this going." They are. It's going to be damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead because the, you know, the pile of cash uh, in the postseason is so important to the owners that no matter what the conditions of the teams, <laughs> no matter what you know the the amount of games they're playing or all that, they're not going to worry about that. They just want to get to the postseason. So I do have some confidence at this point that we're actually going to get to uh, to baseball playoff base uh, to a uh, playoff baseball.
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that because I know my fan base, um, you know, we we want baseball. We want it on an everyday basis as, you know, we've been hit by so much. I mean, now there's a hurricane, but with the pandemic and I, and I know you, you probably been watching on the news, the bad fires all over California, especially here in Northern California and, and Buster outside, it looks like it's fog, but it's not, it's actual smoke and it's everywhere. So, it's the release for us every single day. It's so important for our fans who continue to be in lockdown. We got fires just to see baseball every day and to see their A's win. It means so much to my audience.
8: A hundred percent. You know, I've got an aunt who uh, lives in Berkeley, and she's been, you know, uh, fearful. And when I talked to her last, we actually had some conversations about that. You know, and and her. Being excited, and it does remind me of that time, you know, right after nine eleven, when I was covering the Yankees, um, uh, and you know, for a lot of people in the city of New York, including those who were, you know, digging down at Ground Zero, um, it, the the baseball games were uh, a respite. They were a moment uh, of distraction, a welcome distraction, and it does feel like, jeez, there's so much, and you haven't even mentioned the politics. You know, the the back and forth and the divisiveness there, uh, there's just so much that feels overwhelming. And I agree with you. It's nice to be able to watch a game and and not think about all that other stuff and just say, man, Matt Chapman has got a cannon. (laughs) Or Marcus Simeon, you know, nice player. Or, you know, Ramon Laureano, uh, what a great play, which seems to come just about every day and not have to worry about all that other stuff.
1: Well, and I and I think I mean it's it's crazy, but you know, there's 28 games left for the Athletics, and as this thing, it, you, we talk about an absolute sprint. I am very excited about this postseason because I think a tournament uh, we've never seen something like this before. And you just start looking in the American League alone, when you start talking about the Yankees and you start talking about Tampa and you got Minnesota and you got Cleveland and you got the White Sox, you got the A's, you got the Astros. I mean, just the American, you can look at the National League too, but just in the American League, the fight that's going to be on during the postseason, how how excited are you about that?
8: Man, and those best of three series. Just before I talked to you, I was talking with the GM of a National League team, and he's like, You look at Cleveland, which might finish third in the American League Central, no one's going to want to face the Indians <laughs> with no. Shane Bieber going, you know, game one in a three game series. Uh, you know, the White Sox, Lucas Diolito going game one with that great lineup. Uh, the Twins with all their devastation. The Yankees are rolling Garrett Cole, and somebody's going down, right? I mean, somebody who had a lot of expectations is going down. I'm glad for Oakland that that you know that uh, that their entry into the postseason is going to involve more than one game. Because I, while I you know work at ESPN, we broadcast the the wild card games in you know in recent years, and they always get great ratings. Uh, it's always felt unfair, you know, for the team that gets knocked out, whether it's the Pirates uh, or you know whether it's Oakland in recent years, because you know that team the last couple of years. It was a better team than what it showed in the wild card game. And so best of three, I think probably gives them a fair shot.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's going it, to, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, when I look at baseball going forward, and, you know, so many of these new rules, uh, people are starting to like them. And it was funny. We had the uh, Ford C. Frick Award winner the other day on uh, Eric Nadell, who was like, you know what? I like all of this stuff. I thought I wouldn't like it, but I do. And the intrigue of putting the runner on second base in extra innings, the A's are 5-0 and in these games. Uh, a lot of people are now starting to kind of turn that I've talked to about some of the new rules. How about the people you're talking to?
8: A hundred percent. Uh, and it absolutely, I think all of the, you know, the significant rules that you just laid out and universal DH would be in there as well. This is an audition year for all of it. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of momentum in front offices and even among players about truncating some of these really long extra inning games. You know, I, I remember having a conversation with a couple of the Red Sox players the spring after they played that 18 inning world series game, game three. And we, we agreed like, for, you know, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it, it, there were a lot of records broken in that particular game, but the baseball itself was really boring. And baseball needs, I, I think, uh, you know, a, a juicier product. And so, you know, to put a runner at second base, put pressure on the defense, the opposing pitcher right away, I agree with you that that's a really good thing. And even the seven inning games and the double headers, which has been in place in the minor leagues for years, um, I feel like You know, if you told me that in 20 years baseball games were reduced from 9 to 7, I wouldn't be shocked. I remember seven years ago talking with an MLB GM about MLB uh, baseball's effort to reduce the time of game. And he said to me, you know, if they really want to talk about 230, then they ought to just cut the games to seven innings. And people in the game and, you know, old school fans, they lost their minds. Well, it does feel like that's beginning to enter into the conversation.
1: So a week and a half ago, we had David Forrest on. So we have him every single week. We do the David Forrest show. But a week and a half ago, I just, I said, David, you know, it's kind of crazy, but, uh, you know, the trading deadline's coming up. And he admitted to us that he finally got a text from another executive, and it kind of stunned him. Like he had not thought about the trading deadline because everybody's so focused on just, playing games and surviving and keeping everybody healthy that like the A's really hadn't. And, and, and like now they're getting into it, but how weird is that? Like a week to two weeks before the trading deadline, front office people really weren't grinding the trading deadline. And all of a sudden now they've got to get on it. Cause it's, it's Monday.
8: It is weird, and it isn't weird because it's 2020. <laughs> because of all the variables that are in play, you know, last week I did a story on on that very thing. You know, the the number of variables that are are you know being considered in front offices, and and it was surprised me. But so many of the GMs were saying the number one variable is is there going to be a vaccine in before the 2021 season, which frames everything for these teams that have lost a lot of money, uh, where you know teams are looking at it and they're probably going to be owners and say no i'm not going to take on uh that extra three million dollars in in that player because we've already lost a lot of money so the yankees the other day lay off 150 employees the gm said to me uh the other day that in 2020 every dollar counts and that's why generally what you hear is that the, the feeling is is that it's going to be a tepid market there are going to be some players move the indians are apparently very open to offers it doesn't mean that they're absolutely going to trade him to for Mike Clevenger and everyone's watching the Reds over the next few days in terms of what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer because he potentially could be a difference-making pitcher but besides that I think a lot of the deals that are going to be made are going to be smaller type deals because of the the revenues lost and all the uncertainty about things that include what happens if there are massive outbreaks in mid-September and the sport gets shut down imagine if you're the team that made the big investment in Trevor Bauer and 2 weeks later the the season stopped and that all of that is affecting i think a, a lot of the trade dis- discourse.
1: You know, we we've talked about it here on A's Cast Live. You think about how Lucy Goosey the A's clubhouse is and you're allowed to be a personality and a big personality bringing Trevor Bauer back to California Putting him in the white cleats and allowing him to be who he is in the Oakland clubhouse, I, I wouldn't he be a great fit. Wouldn't Trevor Bauer be a great A?
8: He would be a great fit for any team, especially because of the circumstance. You know, we're so close to the postseason. Think about it. You know, the trade deadline uh, at the end of that will only be twenty seven days away from the postseason. Now. Uh, in some respects, he's the embodiment of all of these uh, complications for trades this year because in a year in which every dollar counts, he's owed about $3 million for the last month. That's going to scare away some teams. Um, you know, Remember this as well. The Reds, uh, if they were to keep him through the end of the year and give him a qualifying offer, then they would get draft pick compensation. Is some team going to step up and pay big return in a prospect package for a player who might get only five or six starts for them, those are great complications. Now, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, Trevor, because he's pitching so well, whether it would be Oakland or whether it'd be Atlanta or whether it'd be the Yankees or the Dodgers uh, on the field, he would be a big help.
1: Let's end on this. All right, let's take out the teams that are in first place. We know we're going to be in a tournament. We know that in a tournament, we've watched it, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, everybody who gets in has a puncher's chance. It's just who can get hot inside this tournament. So let's stay away from all the teams that are leading their divisions. Who's the one team that you look at and you go, if they get in, they'll be scary?
8: The Cleveland Indians. And in fact, I've had executives with other teams tell me that while we know that the Indians may have been upset with how Mike Clevenger handled his health and safety protocol, which led to them taking him off the roster, the fact is, if they keep Clevenger into the postseason with a, you know the improved bullpen that they have, to have Shane Bieber, who's now in the conversation with Garrett Cole and with Jacob Degrom for best pitcher on the planet, uh, it, starting number one, having Clevenger, you know, having the other guys they have. That they could beat anybody. Like that would be the team that no one would want to face because their pitching is so dominant. Shane Bieber right now is as good as there is in the sport. Um, you know, for me, among the teams not in first place, that would be the team I would not want to play.
1: I download the podcast every day, and I've told you this in the past, whether I'm swimming laps or I'm riding my mountain bike, (laughs) uh, you get me through my my workouts, and it's always an honor to have you on the program. You're the best in the business. you got the best podcast in the business. Uh, We steal from you all the time because your information is so good. Uh, Be well. Be safe. Hopefully, we get this thing in, and hopefully, we'll be talking soon, and uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about the A's in the postseason.
8: Exactly. Well, and it's an honor for you to, to, to cast me that way, Chris. I, I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Wednesday is known as Hump Day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey.
1: Ray Fossey, how are you?
4: Tony, I'm great. You know what? Ace cast is so good. i was listening to that. I didn't know that about Bob Melvin. That's, that's great knowledge, man. I, that's something to put in the back of my, my memory bank and say the next time I see him, you know, but, uh, you, you know, um, um, Michael Young with Texas, he's the same way. He, he does not like clowns. And it was, he was in a parade in a truck. And I think when they retired his number and he went by the dugout. And all the guys came out with clowns that he was just throwing stuff at them like crazy. So I don't know what it is about it. Maybe, maybe they, um, I mean, I don't know, but I did not know that about Bob Melvin. I'm, I'm glad I listened to that part about, uh, when Gonzo and you played that part. Anyway, how you doing? How's Cody doing?
1: We're doing well. It is, it is kind of strange. A grown man is afraid of clowns. <laughs> just like, and, 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 and people need to know Bob Melvin's a big dude. He's like six, five. I mean, he, he's yes, a he big is, yeah. fan. So the fact that, uh, he's a, uh, he's afraid of clowns is, uh, is pretty funny. Ray, <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to believe, but, uh, it's Friday and the trading deadline is Monday. I, yeah. I don't know what the A's really need to do. I don't know if anywhere anybody's going to really do anything. I mean, I don't know how many organizations want to take on money with, uh, So much uncertainty heading into next year. We have no idea what the season's going to look like. Do you expect really anything by Monday?
4: Well, I I, I think from the A's standpoint, I agree with you. I don't know that there's anything that the A's need. And, and, you know, this is a different season, obviously, with with just 60 games and what, 67 days for the A's if if you count that first game and with the two games played on the Thursday night. But, you know, I remember when the Mariners and they were playing so well with Edgar Martinez and And they basically said, just make a move to show us that you care. I don't think that's the case now. And I don't know about around baseball, especially now with the eight of 15 teams from each league going to postseason. And, you know, you have 30 games to go, and the way everything is going with the seven and eight doubleheaders, it it is drastically different. Now, I will say, when we were just – the club was just in Texas. It's hard for me to say we anymore because they're not there. But, uh, you know, talk about Lance Lynn. You know, I didn't know his contract, I knew he signed for three and 30, but it was front loaded. Typically, they're back loaded. He's only owed $8 million for next year. And I say only, but, but in baseball terms, for a starting pitcher who is as successful as he is, if you got him for September this year and then next year, you might get something for him. Now, since the Rangers need pitching, as we talked before about Dylan Bundy with the Angels, why would you trade somebody that you know is going to be good for you and not, Corey Kluber's status is going to be but you know there's a contract that's doable for clubs considering I mean you look at Garrett and granted he's worth every penny of his 34 million dollars annually but um you know I think with Lance Lynn I think that that is a that is a good contract if somebody could do it and you know they always talk about do you take a rent a player for a month or two for postseason right last month and then postseason And then worry about, you know, the next year losing him during free agency. But in the case of Lynn, that's a different subject. And I think also with Dylan Bundy, but I don't know that either one will be moved. Now, the Rangers, they have, if you can believe this, Prince Fielder, they're still paying him this year. And I was told, (laughs) I was told that his contract was not prorated like everybody else was. He's making the full $24 million this year. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then, and then since Chu, I think he's got either one more or something like that. So they have $50 million tied up in two players. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting what they do, but from the A standpoint, I'll be honest with you. I don't know of anything. I think the five man rotation is spectacular. I think the bullpen is, is beyond that. I mean, the way they've been up to perform, I think the way the players are mixing matching, Uh, in the lineup, and granted, we're still not seeing the offensive production out of Olsen and Chapman and Chris Davis. And, and, you know, from the catching standpoint, Murphy and now uh, Jonah Heim, uh, I I still like to see them do what they're doing behind the plate and handle the pitching staff. So, you know, it's offense, but, you know, you and I talked about this before, Tony. if you play good defense and you have excellent pitching, you're going to win a lot of games, a lot of one-run games, a lot of low-scoring games, you're going to win those because look at what happened in Texas. Except for the Lance Lynn game, the A's got into the bullpen of the Rangers in games, uh, second and third game, and look what happened. It, it was just a different story, night and day between the A's bullpen and the Rangers bullpen. So um, I, I just think because if you if you add, you have to subtract. And I do not know from the everyday players and pitching who you're going to subtract to make yourself better. I think David Force, Billy Bean, you know, there was an article and I didn't read it uh, talking about, you know, what they might do unless they feel there's some need, a certain area. Uh, But I don't know what it would be because um, I just, you know, Tony, I go back to, I think it was 2012. Remember Johnny Gomes was having a tremendous year and Manny Ramirez was in the organization and the team was in Minnesota to start the second half. And he was eligible to join the ball club and the A's made the decision to keep Johnny Gomes and not bring up Manny Ramirez. Johnny Gomes was going to be the guy that left. You talk about an inspirational leader, a leader on the field, off the field, in the dugout. I mean, he was tremendous, and he was going to be, I think, he was going to be the subtraction if Manny had come up. We don't know what would happen at that point, but the A's made the best decision I think I've ever seen in 2012 to keep Johnny Johnny Gomes and not bring up Manny Ramirez, and the rest is history, especially one in the the division on the final day of the season.
1: You know, can you imagine as a catcher? and We were just talking to uh, Jeff Blum of the Houston Astros that they've had to use so many guys and so many guys who have made their de- debut. And he's like, we we've even brought up guys from Able. Can you imagine if you were a catcher, Ray, for the A's, <laughs> and let's say you're a vet, you're kind of a veteran guy, and next you know you're catching guys that were in Stockton last year.
4: Man, and, and you know what, Johnny? I think that's one of the reasons that so many so many hitters are being hit. And, and, you know, even Laureano, when he got hit by uh, the Castellanos of the Astros, when that fight erupted because of the, the, the hitting coach, he was, he was instructing Castellanos walking down the first baseline, you know, get your, get your elbow up. You're getting down below and He's telling him how to pitch. So, and he hits him in the back and he wasn't wanting to fight, but then all of a sudden this happened over there, but, uh, but, but I think that's what's happening. You know, Joe Baden said it recently about the uh, kid Anderson from the Giants when he almost uh, <laughs> took Trout's head off a couple of times. You know, Joe Madden said, you know, kids shouldn't even be here. And I think there's a lot to be said about the control of a pitcher. So, and again, there's nothing wrong with a kid getting a chance from A ball to come to the big leagues. It's a great opportunity for him. But you know what the old theory is, Tony, if you can't pitch inside, don't try. Because if the ball gets away, you are got to cause some problems with yourself, with your team, your teammates. And, boy, that other team's got to be upset because I think at the major league level, it's such a minute uh, uh, control of the strike zone in and out, up and down. I mean, you're looking at ball. Either way could be a strike or a ball, and that's what makes it so so tough on the hitters. But those pitchers, I, I, I read today uh, they were talking about somebody – I can't remember who, but it talked about seven hundred plus innings. A Billy Epper talking about seven hundred plus innings at the minor league level for for a pitcher to pitch. You know, that's four seasons plus. And you gain a lot of confidence, a lot of control, but if you're rushed because you have good velocity, but you don't have any idea where the ball is going and you're rushed to the big leagues, that's that's a cause for trouble. And I, I think there's a big issue when that happens. And uh, but I agree with you. If if you're seeing guys coming up And, you know, it's almost like as a catcher, not knowing the control of that pitcher, unfortunately, you say, okay, here's my target right down the middle. Let's see what you have. And, you know, you you can't go to the corner because going to the corner may be a foot outside or going to the right-handed or or, uh, outside corner to a right-hander might be a foot inside. You just don't know what you're going to get. And that's why the the, uh, the the amount of pitching at the minor league level is so beneficial, just like a catcher, learning how to call a game. It's the same for a pitcher to be able to pitch the inning so when they do get to the big leagues, they have an idea of what they're doing.
1: Well, today is the day we honor one of the great Hall of Famers, Jackie Robinson, and yep. what he meant uh, in society. And I, I tell everybody, if you're in Kansas City, go to the Negro League Museum, and you learn so much, you know, like, as Jackie Robinson in- integrated mm-hmm. baseball, it was it was a couple of years later. The military then integrated. I mean, what happened with Jackie Robinson changed a lot of things in this country. And I remember talking to the president uh, of the Negro League Museum. Uh, one of the things that bothers me is that I think baseball is lazy because there's other guys that did the same thing. And I'm sure you came across the path of Larry Doby. Larry Doby did this yeah. – Months after Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby is one of the great players. He's a Hall of Famer. He did this in the American League as Jackie was doing it in the National League. By the way, Jackie Robinson, Ray, in his first at-bat, grounded out to my grandfather. How about that? <laughs>
4: That's a great story.
1: And my you grandfather know, I, I... played against Larry Doby in the World Series in 48. But Larry <laughs> Doby was a seven-time All-Star, World Series champion, two-time AL home run leader uh, in the Hall of Fame, in a managing and that's, I'm going to want you to talk about him, but I, I just think if you went around to most players in major league baseball and said, okay, you know, Jackie Robinson, who was the second African-American yeah. and the first mm-hmm. guy to do it in the American league. I bet none of them. know.
4: Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and that's why many say that Larry Doby's number should re, be retired around baseball, just like Jackie Robinson's and a special day for Larry doby and, and some would say for Roberto Clemente for the, the Latinos, and I remember talking to Steve Blass in Pittsburgh last summer. Uh, I did an extensive interview, which I think is being played on A's cast, but I asked him about that, and he said it was just a pleasure to play with them. He kind of sidestepped the issue, and maybe there's just been too much talk about it, but 21, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty impressive number. There's a lot of uh, Puerto Rican players who wear the number 21 in honor of the late Roberto Clemente, but I will say this about Jackie Robinson, and it's, it's a great point, and it's, you know, I was wondering, with the um, the suspension or the postponement of, of games. April 15th was the day in which he came up, and that was supposed to be the Jackie Robinson day. And I was wondering if they were going to have it, and lo and behold, yes, today is the day when it is the Jackie Robinson. They're honoring him, and I'm glad they're doing it simply because, you know, this is, a, again, an abbreviated season, but they're taking that opportunity. But I'll never forget, and I still have an interview with the late Don Newcomb, who played with him in Brooklyn. Uh, or actually in Brooklyn when he came up and um, uh, then in in the minor leagues as well. And I said, why Jackie? And he said, because he could. And if you see the background of what Branch Rickey, you know, I was watching a little bit last night about Branch Rickey took about three hours to convince him to sign the contract because he knew what was going to happen as the first African-American player to play in the major league level. And, you know, I, but Don Newcomb said, God helped the person when Branch Rickey said, if somebody hits you one cheek and you have to turn the cheek, and Luke said, God help you if you, if you hit him on one side because I don't know if you can stand there and let him <laughs> take it without being knocked down. But, you know, he did take it, uh, and you think of all the great African-American players who played this game. I think of Willie Mays across the Bay and 660 home runs. Of course, Hammer and Hank Aaron, just to name a few, a, few, uh, a couple of via Blue who pitched for the Athletics. You know, the Black Aces alone, you think how much they appreciate what Jackie Robinson did because it was hard for him. And I think we'll all remember Pee Wee Reese, the Brooklyn Dodgers, putting his arm around him. And here's, here's a kid that came. or uh, Pee Wee Reese came from the South. And everybody said, what are you doing, you know, putting your arm around, you know, Jackie Robinson? And that kind of set the tone of a welcome to Jackie Robinson with the Dodgers and in uh, in baseball because of what Pee Wee Reese did. But I think Jackie Robinson was, was great for the game. I mean, he was a talented player. And, and I think the biggest thing, like you said, about the Negro Hall of Fame, you think of some of the great players who never got the opportunity. And we were talking about Satchel Paige, what, age 59, and he's pitching <laughs> for the Kansas City Athletics, you know. And how many, how many times you think about Josh Gibson, the great catcher, and uh, um, uh, who, who was the guy that um, – I have Wee the Keeler, in him. But um, the 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 guy who he got to bed before the lights got dark, or the room got dark. You know, uh, you know, there's just so many great players that we didn't get a chance to see. And I, I was happy to see the integration, integration because it did allow a lot of players. You know, I roomed with Cito Gaston and Jim Holt in Venezuela playing winter baseball. And uh, of course, Cito went on to have a great career with the Padres and managed the Blue Jays to back-to-back World Championships. And you know, it's just part of the game. We don't even we don't even think about it. And, you know, anytime, let's say, a Japanese-born pitcher is on the mound, somebody says, well, he needs an interpreter. And baseball, you don't need that because there's baseball language. And I think it's the same thing. Nobody realizes the color. It's the talent that you have, and you play the game. And I think that's part of the game of baseball. But uh, Jackie Robinson started it all. I- I'm glad today or tonight, And today, all teams, all players wearing the number 42 makes it hard on broadcasters. You kind of have to know who's out there. But uh, I think it's a great honor. And the fact that that Mariano Rivera was the last to wear number 42 because it was grandfathered in. Uh, Dave Henderson wore 42 and with the A's. And then once he uh, once he retired, that number was retired by the athletics. And then finally, uh, the, the irony of the whole thing was that Mariano Rivera's number 42 was retired by the Yankees. And he went out to the Monument area and 42 was already there, but it was retired and he was the last to wear. Matter of fact, he signs an autograph saying last to wear 42, very proud of the fact that he was the last to wear number 42. And, uh, but I think it's a great story. I think it's, it's a great remembrance of one of the great players and considering, you, you know, and um, Martin Luther King, I remember reading and hearing about how Jackie Robinson thanked Martin Luther King And evidently, Martin Luther King said to Jackie Robinson, no, thank you for what you have done and what you're doing for America and the African-Americans. So it was it was kind of a mutual appreciation for each other. But it was interesting that uh, with everything that Martin Luther King did, that Jackie Robinson was uh, it, it was noted by Martin Luther King to thank him. And so, you know, we appreciate what he did. And but I agree with you. Larry Dolby probably should be right there along with it.
1: Ray, you've been traveling your entire adult life. What has this year been like for you not logging all those air miles?
4: You know what, Tony? I don't like it. Uh, You know, I like to go to the park. I like to be at the park to see what's happening. But I will say our crew on television, Dallaire Loures, our producer, and Tommy Edza, Mike Bird, Josh Hood, uh, on the television side, and then Michael Baird and and Ken Korek and and Vince on the radio, it's seamless. It's unbelievable, you know, to be able to sit at the Coliseum and watch the game on the monitor and what they're able to do to make it seem like we're there. And, you know, you sent me a text after that first game. You said it, it sounded like you guys were in Seattle. And, and yeah. that, to me, is, is a credit to those guys in the truck and in the booth to be able to make that happen. But personally, it, it's just something about the ambiance of a stadium. Uh, I, I've seen a whole bunch of stadiums throughout my, my blessed career in, in Major League Baseball. And uh, it it is different, especially tonight we'll leave the Coliseum (laughs) and there'll be no traffic, nobody in the parking lot, (laughs) go down and get my car and go home. I'm going, this is strange. It's very strange, you know. But, uh, you know, the traveling, the the way traveling is done today, Tony, with the charters and, you know, Mickey Morbido, the the greatest traveling secretary that probably ever was. Uh, the buses are waiting when you get off the plane on the tarmac, and you go to the hotel. Well, you know, you you've traveled, and uh, but but it's it's something that I think is missed. And people say that they know it's time to retire when you don't like to travel. That has never bothered me because the trips. And I learned from the late Bill King, you learn a lot. You can you can read and you can do a lot during that time that you're on the plane. And if you have time, you can watch a movie. But there's a lot of work. To be done, and it's something that you enjoy doing, uh, or at least I enjoy doing. Whenever I'm on a flight like that, but um, yeah, I do miss it, and and I hope we can resume to some normalcy because just like tonight in Houston, um, when when the club is there for the weekend, it, it's it's an exciting place. The roof is closed. It could be thundering and lightning and storming outside, but the roof is closed, and you got you got baseball going on, and and go up to Seattle. You know, beautiful city there. Just leaving Arlington. You know, I miss not seeing the new ballpark in Arlington uh you know just because of that because you know we got to see it on tv i talked to chuck morgan he says what do you think and i said looks great on tv (laughs) but it would be nice to be there (laughs) you know it'd be nice to be there but uh you know i I miss it townie but um you know there's just something to be said about getting your car and going home when the clubs on the road and not thinking about waiting for a bus or going to a hotel and sleeping your own bed the way we are so uh but you know i i've enjoyed it i i've had a uh uh, you know I've been very blessed, as you know, and I've said it many times to be able to uh, to work in baseball essentially my whole life and and I wouldn't trade it for the world uh, even with the money that's being paid. I played at a time when it was a uh, when it was a great time. so you know it, it is what it is and and I, I enjoy it.
1: Ray, you are the best. I'll talk to you in a's total access.
4: You know what? You do a great job, and Cody does a great job. And you know what? It will be great. So just do it. Keep going.
1: Yeah, hey, I, 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 Cody. Next time, Cody, you go in for a raise. You need, you need your agent Ray Fossey <laughs> there with. You.
3: I'll, I'll just take the recording every time Fossey says Cody does a great job, and just yeah. a montage. What well, he every- does,
1: you, you,
4: Listen, Tony, <laughs> and I've said it before. Cody gets the people, which is tremendous but you have to do your research because you do a great job of interviewing them. And I've said that. So it's a great combination that you two have working. So like I said, continue, you're doing a great job. And I finally figured out how to get on AceCast cast whenever you're saying it post game. Well, if you're listening, you can join. So I say, okay, here we go. I can listen. So I listen to you. Till I get home. So this is great. I, I enjoy it very much so. So you guys are doing a great job. It's a great, great team that you and Cody have.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's like we're the 72, 73, 74, a
4: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hit behind the runner. Cody, get hit behind the runner. Don't, uh, don't worry you know, about Ray, it. He
1: doesn't believe in bunting. <laughs> he doesn't believe oh, in no, no. average. He doesn't believe in speed. He, he doesn't believe in any, he doesn't believe in wins. He doesn't care about any of that. He cares about launch angle and spin rate. No, no,
4: no exit no, velocity. And no, no. Hey, listen, hey, listen, Cody, that seventy-four World Series game one, what was their four sacrifice bunts? That dumb catcher that was behind the plate wearing number ten <laughs> didn't get a bun down, or did hit five?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was. I, well, now that now that we've actually seen that live, that was a bad look, Ray. I know, I know.
4: I, I should have, you know, and I worked on it a lot because you know, hitting where I was uh, with with Dick Green down there, you know, that that was our job to kind of move guys around because you know, with pitching and defense, as I've always said, you've heard me say it, we don't need. You don't need a lot of runs if you have pitching and defense, and that's what the A's are doing right now to help them be where they are. Four and a half games of the Astros ahead of the Astros, trying to really make this a special two months in October and, and really do something special. But it takes pitching and defense. The A's have that, as the A's have shown. Because you know what? They if they were hitting; they'd be blowing everybody out, and and they're they're just getting just almost enough runs. They finally they won their second game without a home run Wednesday, so Sunday and Wednesday. The only two wins this year, 22, that they've won the game without a home run. How about that?
3: They have a great run differential, Ray. That's all I care about. They have a positive oh, run on, differential. Cody. That's how good they hey, are. Hey, by, the,
1: by the way, Ray, you may have not got that bunt down, but didn't you hit a big home run in that series? Uh, yeah, Don Sutton.
3: <laughs> hey, he, he <laughs> <didn't>, <laughs> threw at you. Yeah, He didn't forget about it like 13 years <laughs> later, though. Yeah, I know.
4: But you know what? The, the, one of the best things that, that the great Monty Moore ever said, because he used to do the, the uh, programs, he said, Ray Fonsey brought over to throw out base runners, and that's what I did. So, you know, I, I knew what my job was, and I think that's the important thing of baseball today, anytime. You know what you're capable of doing. You know what your responsibilities are, and you do those. And if you do those, then you're going to be fine. So I was happy to play on those, and I've got the rings to prove it.
1: Thank you, Cody. <laughs> All right, Ray, we'll talk to you in a few minutes. All right, buddy. Thank
2: you. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.